This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com. Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. He's finishing off the Tanya. The last three chapters are all about. The Shechina, where is the Shechina found? Shechina is found in wisdom. Just like the soul is found in the brain. Just like who is the leader of the Jewish people. The leader of the Jewish people is the brain of the Jewish people. The wisest, the deepest, the most profound. Although every organ is precious, Every cell is equal. But the brain, there's a level of intensity, there's a level of revelation of the soul within the brain that's not found in the rest of the body. Because the brain is the command and control center of the whole body. The brain is where the soul reveals itself first. And from there, from there, it's like the light of the sun leaving the sun itself. From there, you get the individual energy for each individual organ. But it's not on the same level. You can't compare the light that comes out of the sun to the sun itself, to the source. So the brain is where the soul manifests itself, the source of all the individual energies and faculties that are revealed within the body, within each individual. You can't compare the source to the individual expressions of these faculties and powers. It's much more intense. It's, 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 it's in a different level. And that's the idea of Shekhinah. Of course, God is everywhere. But the Shekhinah, when you say the Shekhinah is present, it's not just, well, God is everywhere, but it's hidden. And in the temple, God is revealed. It's like the rest of the place, everything is covered up, and then you remove the cover, and here it's, here it's revealed it's not like that it's much deeper than that the level of God's presence in the temple is not the same as God's presence all over the world just like in the human body the level of the soul's presence in the brain is not the same as the level of the soul's presence in your arm and in your heart and in your organ, all the other organs in the body it's, it's a different revelation of the soul different dimension, a different depth, a different intensity, it's a different level. It's not the same. So the level of Shekhinah, we talk about Shekhinah, God's presence is manifest. It's not only that it's revealed and it's not revealed. Okay, I cover it, I don't see the cup, it's covered. I take off my hand, I see it. Nothing changed, it's the same cup. When it was covered and it wasn't covered, nothing changed. Just I see it, I don't see it. When you talk about the Shekhinah, we're talking about something else entirely. It's like when you light a candle. Before you lit the candle, there was no light. When you lit the candle, now you have a light. It's not just a revelation. The light was here. I just didn't see it. Now I open my eyes and I see it. No. When you light a candle, you bring down light. Without the candle, the light is not there. That's the idea of Shekhinah. And that's the point that he's going to make here. He talks about the Shekhinah in the temple. God is manifest in the temple. It's a different level. It's a different revelation. Something was drawn down into this world. And when the temple is destroyed, something is missing. It's not only, okay, now it's covered up and I don't see it. Nothing changed. No. Something changed. And when the first temple was destroyed, the second temple was not on the same level. 
He didn't have the same level of the Shekhinah. It was a difference between the first temple and the second temple. He's going to explain in chapter 53 in this chapter. And now we have no temple. How do we draw down this light? How do we draw down the Shekhinah? It's just every one of us. Every Jew is a candle. Our bodies are the wick. God is Shekhinah, is the light. And the oil that sustains and makes it and turns it into a candle. Without oil, it just burns and consumes and destroys and finished. That's not a candle. A candle that gives off light, that brings light. Not destruction. A fire just brings destruction. But a candle that brings steady, constant, continuous light. This is through the oil. What's the oil? Torah Mitzvah. When you lead a Jewish life, when a Jew leads a Jewish life, studies Torah and does Mitzvah, the Shekhinah is walking with you. You are bringing Hashem's you're feeding a transparency. You become a candle that brings light, that brings godliness, that brings holiness, that brings Hashem into this world. If you don't do it, it's not, that doesn't happen. It's not just cover and uncover, reveal and not reveal. No, 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 no. Something very much deeper is happening here, something much more intense. You're bringing a level of light into the world that the world, that's not in the world before. You're bringing the Shem and the oil. You're bringing that intense revelation of the Shekhinah. That intense revelation of godliness, that the world, that's beyond the world, that's the, 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 the holy of holies of the world, that's the, the brain of the world, that's the shechina of the world. That's the idea of shechina. So previously we learned, this is, this is the grand finale. Previously we learned the idea of shechina. Basically what he says here, that shechina Really, as the Rebbe pointed out in the first Hasidic discourse that he said when he became Rebbe, that Shechina is every level according to its, according to its level. Shechina is the level, the beginning of manifestation towards another, the beginning of the connection towards something outside of you. Just like speech is for someone outside of you. You don't need speech for yourself. A king is your king over someone else. You can't be king over yourself. You can't crown yourself as king and, <laughs> and root for yourself and, and, and vote, vote yourself in as king. It's for someone outside of yourself. So on every level, in comparison to that level, the part that's f- focused towards outside, the most external, superficial level, that, that becomes the Shekhinah. So in a person, that's speech. Now, if you go higher, the brain senses the whole. All of the energy that later on becomes diffused into the body, the arms move and the legs walk and the heart feels and the brain thinks and, and the mouth speaks and the eye sees and the ear hears and all the activities and all the functions of each individual organ. But where is it first manifest as a whole? It's first manifest in the brain, which is too intense for each individual organ to receive. Only the brain could receive this energy and sense this energy. So this energy is also the beginning of manifestation. It's the beginning of the part of the soul that's there to animate each individual organ. The essence of the soul is completely transcendent. The essence of the soul exists before you're born. The essence of the soul is just an essence of life. The moment you come in contact with the body, the soul comes in contact with the body, every cell comes alive equally. The higher, the lowest, there's no difference. But that's completely hidden, that's completely... But the part of the soul which becomes conscious, which we become conscious of, which, become manifest, which manifests itself into our consciousness. So the beginning of that manifestation, that's the Shekhinah. He said the Shekhinah first encloses itself and reveals itself in the brain, 
in the Chachma Bina Das, in the wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, which he calls the Holy of Holies of every world. That's the part where the Shekhinah is housed. That's the part that contains the Shekhinah, where the Shekhinah is manifest in the brain. So here we said Shekhinah is speech, which is the most external, superficial part. Now we're saying Shekhinah is the brain. It's in the brain. So make up your mind. The answer is because it's every one according to its level. The brain, the mouth that actually communicates to something outside of you, that's obviously a Shekhinah. But the brain which senses the whole, which is the beginning of the revelation of the soul, the manifestation of the energy of the soul, all these different faculties and energies, so the comparison to the soul, that's Shekhinah. It's about revelation and manifestation, not the soul itself. The soul itself is just a chunk of life, an essence of life. It's, it's not, it's not uh, you know, it has no connection to the consciousness and therefore, 100 trillion cells, every cell is equally alive. And 99.9% of what happens in the body will never be conscious of. It just happens automatically. The soul is just a, it's just a being of life on its own. Nothing to do with our consciousness. But the part of the soul which manifests itself into consciousness, that's the Shekhinah. That's already the soul is manifesting itself into a level of consciousness. What's the source of that? Sleep is one-sixtieth of death. What happens when you sleep? You're not conscious. So all of consciousness is just one-sixtieth of what happens in the subconscious. So like he said, that the level of speech of the higher world, the most external, superficial part of the higher world, that becomes the crown, the subconscious, which is the source of the soul manifesting itself into the wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. So in comparison, in comparison to the essence of the soul, even the subconscious is called Shekhinah. Because that's not the essence of the soul. The essence of the soul is not even about life. The essence of the soul is to give life. The essence of the soul is a being that's totally beyond us. But it's a being that exists before you're born, it's a being that continues to exist after you're born, before it gives life, after it stops giving life. The soul is not about giving life. It just happens to be that. The soul has the ability to give life. But that's not the essence of the soul. So the part of the soul that's all about life, the subconscious, that's also just the Shekhinah. That's also just the most external, superficial part of the soul in relation to the essence of the soul. And when the subconscious first becomes manifest in your consciousness, that's a level of Shekhinah in comparison to the subconscious. The level of speech of the higher world becomes the crown, the subconscious, to the manifestation of the next world in its wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And consciousness, the beginning of consciousness, self-awareness. That self-awareness, the beginning of manifestation, is, is the Shekhinah in comparison to the subconscious. One-sixtieth, the most external, superficial part of the subconscious, becomes revealed in the brain. And then when the brain works its way down to speech, the speech becomes the Shekhinah, the manifestation, in comparison to the brain which is inward, versus the speech, which is outward. So when you talk about Shekhinah, it's on every level. In comparison to that level, it's the manifestation. So when you talk about the brain being the Shekhinah, yes, in comparison to the subconscious, the brain is the Shekhinah. It's the soul manifesting itself in a consciousness, the beginning, the crowning, the beginning of the revelation of the soul and consciousness, the brain that senses the whole, that senses this, this intense, powerful energy the subconscious in relation to the essence of the soul, that's also called Shekhinah. That's nothing insignificant in comparison to the essence of the soul, which is not even about life. It's not the essence of the soul. is totally beyond it. So when you talk about Shekhinah, it's really, it depends on what level you're talking about. So much so, we even have the Shekhinah. We talk about the infinite light before the symptom. You also have a level of Shekhinah there. Because it's when God entertained the idea of creating a world. So again, that's the beginning of God's relationship and connection to something outside of himself. But it's the most external, superficial part of God, so to speak. So the Shina is relative to every level. Depends which level you're at.
But every level of the Shekhinah is a manifestation of the Divine. The revelation of the Divine. And even the level of Shekhinah, in the lowest level, in Malchus and speech of that world, the Malchus, the speech, is the source for all the individual creatures and creations and beings of that world. So the level of Shekhinah, as it's manifest in Malchus, is a manifestation of the divine. And it's too intense for each individual entity to receive its life force directly. It's like the sun. The light has to leave the sun. Only when the light leaves the sun, then every letter, every word, creates a separate entity, a separate being. Last chapter, we talked about the spiritual worlds. How each world, there is a holy of holies, which is the wisdom, understanding, and knowledge of the brains of that world. And that's the center and focal point of that world. And all the energy of that world is first manifest in the brain, which he said is the Torah of that world. And then, from there, it works its way down to the level of malchus, of speech, of communication, which is the source of all the created beings of that world. And then it continues. The level of speech of the higher world becomes the source for the next world, the lower world. And in each world, it repeats itself. You have the brain, the center of the world, where the Shekhinah is manifest, and then you have the Shekhinah of that world, the communication, which becomes the source for all individual beings, and also becomes the source for the next world, for it to continue. That becomes, that becomes a subconscious for the consciousness of the next world, of the lower level, because the most external, superficial level of the higher world becomes the subconscious, the mystery, the secret for the next world, for the consciousness of the lower world. And then you have the spark of revelation, and then you have the, the initial re- revelation manifestation as, as it's concentrated and manifest in the brains, in the consciousness of the next world, which then works its way down to the level of speech and communication, which from it has created all the beings of that world. And so on from the world of creation to the world of formation to the world of action. But till now we discussed, he discussed it, the spiritual worlds. Now he's going to discuss the Holy of Holies, the physical Holy of Holies, in this world. The physical Holy of Holies in this world. The temple was a model of what takes place in the upper realms, in the higher realms, in the higher worlds. So the temple, the Holy of Holies, this is the focal point of this world. This is the place where the Shekhinah is manifest. Where do you see the Shekhinah manifest in the Holy of Holies? You said the Shekhinah has to be manifest in the brains, in the wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Where do you see the wisdom, understanding, and knowledge in the Holy of Holies? Obviously. Because what was, the Shri, what was in the Holy of Holies? The Ark. What was inside the Ark? The Ten Commandments, the Torah, tablets. That's the Torah, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. So that's where God's light was manifest. That contained God's light, this intense light, this intense revelation of God's light. was contained in the Holy of Holies, in the tablets, in the Ten Commandments. And although we don't have the tablets, we don't have, even in the Second Temple, 30 years before the destruction of the First Temple, King Yoshio hid the ark according to some opinions as accepted by, by Maimonides in his code, halachic code. But Maimonides writes that King Solomon actually, when he built a temple, also built a cellar. Knowing by divine inspiration that one day the temple will be destroyed. So he built two parts of the Holy of Holies. A revealed part and a hidden part. So King Yoshio buried the ark in the cellar that was built by King Solomon. And that cellar was never destroyed. Only the overt part of the temple was destroyed. And that's where the ark is even present. So in the second temple, he also had the tablets. They were hidden, but they're there. But because it wasn't revealed, so therefore, it wasn't on the same level. 
the first temple, second temple, as we're going to explain, the level of the Shekhinah was not on the same level, which is why during the first temple, they were, the Jewish people were on a much holier level, because the world was holier, because it was a, a greater level of holiness that was revealed, because the Shekhinah was on a much greater level. That's why you had prophecy. The second temple, the Shekhinah was much less. And after the destruction of the second temple, we're not even going to discuss because when the Shekhinah is not present, something is missing. It's not like it's revealed, it's not revealed, but there is no difference. No. There is a big difference. And we can feel the difference. And that's why the world became so coarse. And the world became so coarse. When there's holiness and there's godliness, the world can't plunge, can't descend into such coarseness. But when godliness is hidden, then the world plunges into, into, into such coarseness. Now, there's a beautiful story with the Baal Shem Tov, Because, as we said earlier, the Roger B'nai Yisrael, the Shekhinah is manifest and revealed through the Rebbe. He brings that holiness into the world. His presence, his being, he lights up the world with his holiness. It's a beautiful story of the Baal Shem One of his Hasidim, I believe it was Zev Jitomer, wanted to make Aliyah to Israel. He had this, this deep yearning to move to Israel and to die in Israel. And um, he asked the Baal Shem Many times, Bachshemtu says, "No, you have to stay here. Your mission in life is here." But he just he just had this yearning. So he decided, with all, due my, with all due respect to my Rebbe, I'm just going to go. I, I just have to go. You know, may God forgive me, but if I'm going to be punished for this, so be it. I just have to go to Israel. He has such a love for Israel. Anyway, so he leaves town. As he's leaving town, <laughs> guess who's coming into town? The Baal Shem Well, he's embarrassed. He's humiliated. But he tells the truth. Baal Shem says, where are you going? He's packed all his bags. He says, Rebbe, I asked you many times. You told me no. But I just had to go. So the Baal Shem said, no problem. You want to go to Israel? Fine. Just do me one favor. Just spend Shabbos with me, one last Shabbos, it was, it was before Shabbos, and then you can go. Fine. So he turns back, he already packed all his bags, Moshem says, you're staying with me, let's go to the mikveh together before Shabbos. Anyway, Zev goes into the, Rabbi Zev goes into the mikveh, he comes out and he says, Rabbi, I'm staying, I'm not going to Israel. Moshem says, what happened? He says, I went into the mikveh and I had a vision. I traveled, I arrived to Israel, excited, arrived in Jerusalem, I can't imagine the excitement. I enter into the Temple Mount, and we go further inside the Temple, and I'm given a tour inside the Temple, and they take me into the Holy of Holies. And I look into the Ark, and I see the Ark is empty. So I turn to my guide, and he says, the angel says, we're where are the luchas? Where are the tablets? The angel says, ah, the luchas. The luchas aren't measurables. <laughs> the tablets are measurables where the Baal Shem Tov lived. <laughs> the tablets are measurables. You want to know where the Shekhin is? You want to know where God is manifest and present at this moment, which radiates His light and illuminates His light? It's emanating right now from <laughs> 770s Park. <laughs> The already explained in the previous chapter that the light of the Shekhinah and illumination utterly transcending the realm of the world must have a garment which enables it to radiate there. The garment of the Shekhinah is Torah. In other words, even though the Shekhinah is the most external, superficial level in comparison mm. to its source, the Shekhinah itself is like the light of the sun in comparison to its source, 
just like the level of speech is, is the most external, superficial part of the person in comparison to you, and so too the level of the soul which is manifest in your brain, your, your consciousness of yourself, of your whole self, which is the beginning of consciousness, which is manifest in the brain, is the most external, superficial part in comparison to the subconscious, which is its source. And the subconscious is the most external, superficial part in comparison to the essence of the soul, which transcends even the subconscious. But yet, in comparison to the lower level, it's, it's too intense. It's like a sun. The level of consciousness in comparison to subconscious is the subconscious like a sun. It's like a different realm, different reality. The level, the beginning of awareness, the level of, of the beginning of awareness is so the individual energies within you, the individual faculties in comparison to the, this intense revelation of all of the energies together, the whole, that's a sun and this is, this is like the light outside the sun. And so too with speech. Speech is a sun in comparison to all those individual created beings that are created from the speech. Because the speech is too powerful, it's too intense. God created the world with ten utterances. God's speech. But those ten utterances, as Alter Rebbe, we learned in the first chapter, in, in the second part of the Tanya, it's too intense, it's too powerful. God only created the sun, the, the, the great beings, but the individual beings have to receive their light from the, like the light outside the sun. Because it's too powerful, it's too intense. So the Shechina, which is God's revelation, Meaning, God's revelation to God is the most external, superficial. To us, it's too powerful, it's too intense. God's revelation to us is too powerful, it's too intense. It's like when the teacher speaks. The teacher's speech, which to the teacher is the most superficial, external part of the teacher, to the student is the most brilliant, the most illuminating, it's the most startling revelation. And it's so intense and so powerful. And he needs 40 years just to digest what the teacher said. To the teacher's speech is the most external, superficial part of his teacher. But for the student, this speech becomes the greatest mystery and the greatest revelation, the starting revelation. So what's in comparison to the greater level, Shechina is the most external, superficial. But in comparison to the lower level, Shechina is transcendent. It's a transcendent light. It's too powerful, it's too intense for the lower level to receive it directly. So how could this powerful energy be manifest? So he said it needs a garment to be able to clothe it. And what's the garment that could, that could contain it without being destroyed by it? That's the Torah. The Torah is the garment. By the way, that's what it says. The rabbis say, when God created man, the angels complained. and said, why are you wasting your time in man? Man is so full of nonsense. Man is so full of folly. Man is such a ridiculous creature, such an absurd creature. So full of contradictions. Why waste your time? Why waste your energy? So God says, really? So it says God got so angry, God put his finger amongst them, and they were completely destroyed. They were consumed. What's the response? So the Alter Rebbe explains that God's finger, meaning the, the smallest finger, the index finger, because there are ten fingers, there are ten spherot. God's finger is the most external, superficial level. God's speech, the Shechina. So God showed the angels that man, the soul, the Jewish people, they could receive this godly revelation of the Shekhinah. While an angel cannot receive this revelation of the Shekhinah. When the Shekhinah was manifest, raw, intense, when the sun was revealed, the, the, the light became completely nullified, like the light of the sun within the sun. It lost its existence. It ceases to exist. It could only exist outside. But the Jewish people, the Jewish soul, whose source is Malchus, is the Shechina, so the Jewish people could receive this light. Because their whole being is from this level, is God. 
So they could, they could receive this intense light. And therefore the Jewish people, through the Torah, could reveal this light. The Jew has the power, and that's his mission, to reveal this light into this world. The angels, not only non-Jews, angels couldn't receive this. Let alone non-Jews. Angels couldn't receive it. Angels who meditate 24-7 for thousands of years without a break couldn't receive this intense revelation. That's what God showed the angels. Not that he got angry and he punished them. He says, oh, let me explain to you the difference between you and men. You can't handle this intense revelation. The moment I revealed my little pinky, the smallest finger, the lowest level, my most external, superficial level, it's so intense for you, you're, you're like, the light is so brilliant that it completely destroyed you. It became nullified. Versus the soul. The Jewish soul has the ability to receive it without being flustered. Could receive the Shrina and could absorb it and internalize it and become a light to reveal this light into this world. That's the power. That's why God tolerates, <laughs> creates us despite all our folly, despite all our mishagas and craziness, because of the tremendous power, possibilities that we have. It's all worthwhile, this whole heartache, this whole human comedy, a human drama, a human heartache is all worthwhile because of the power of what we can accomplish. We can be that light that can bring God's shina and God's presence into the world. In Every our, world there is found the intelligence of that particular world, namely the spirit of Fatma Bina and Dat of that world. They constitute the shrine of the Holy of Holies in which the Shekhinah resides. After the levels of Chabad in which resides the Shekhinah descend into the level of Malchut of a particular world, the creatures of that world are then created. By investing itself in Malchut, moreover, the light of the Shekhinah is then able to descend into the shrine of the Holy of Holies of the next lower world. The Alter Reb explained this process as it applied to all worlds, down to and including the spiritual world of Asiya. In chapter 53, he will go on to explain how the light of the Shina descends and illuminates this physical world. During the times of the first and second temple, the Shekhinah was housed in the Holy of Holies. Today it finds its abode in the Jews' study of Torah and performance of the mitzvah. He will also explain the difference between the level of illumination of the Shekhinah in the first and second Beit HaMikdash on the one hand, and the level of Shekhinah which is drawn down through the study of Torah and the performance of mitzvah on the other. At the time of the first temple stood in which the Ark and the tablets were housed in the Holy of Holies, the Shekhinah which is Malchut of the Sibus, that is the revealed light of the angels, a light which intrinsically is infinite and transcends all worlds, and which nevertheless was revealed in them, dwelled there and was clothed in the Ten Commandments, which were engraved upon the tablets found in the Ark and the Holy of Holies. For more intensely and with a greater and mightier revelation than its revelation in the shrines of the Holy of Holies above in the upper worlds. Al-Tarebi says something very powerful here, and he says that although the Holy of Holies was of this physical world, which is the lowest of all the world. But the level of God's shechina, of God's presence that was manifest and revealed through the Holy of Holies in this physical world, was more intense than the revelation of the shechina in the upper world, in the higher realms, in the spiritual realms, the seemingly spiritual realms. He says, far more intensely and with greater and mightier revelation, without any concealment, without any cover-up, because it had the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments contain the entire Torah, the essence of the Torah, all 613 mitzvahs. Ten Commandments had 620 20 letters, 
seven Noah, seven rabbinic laws together with the 613 mitzvah. So the Ten Commandments include the whole Torah, as we learn in chapter 21. Ten Commandments all inclusive. So the revelation in the temple was the revelation of God's supernal being, of God's supernal wisdom, of the essence of God's wisdom. So therefore, the revelation in the temple was a clear revelation, a revelation of God's infinite self. God and His wisdom are one. So it was much more intense, much more powerful than even the revelation of the Shekhinah in the upper realms, in the higher realms. Even greater than the level of the of Malchus Datzilus, of the revelation of the Shekhinah in the world of emanation. So although it's, it's in the physical world, but the light that emanated from the physical world was something so wondrous, something so beyond, not only beyond the scope of this world, as in the Shekhinah of every world, it's beyond the scope of that world. It's the intense light and energy all together. It's not only that there was a level of revelation that was beyond the scope of this world. It was even beyond the scope of the high world. Where was this manifest? How did we see this? As the Talmud says, that in the Holy of Holies, we experience the ultimate miracle, a paradoxical miracle. Contradiction. On one hand, the ark took up space. It had the exact measurements, as the Torah spells out. One and a half armor, two and a half armor. And yet, simultaneously, if you measured the ark, it had a measurement. If you measured one end of the ark to the end of the room, and the one end of the ark, the end of the room, it's as if the ark didn't exist. As if the ark didn't exist. You had ten amas on this side, ten amas on this side. If you took a measurement of the room, it was exactly as the Torah prescribed, twenty amas. In other words, not the room stretched or the ark shrunk. You had three measuring sticks simultaneously. The ark was an ark. The room had a dimension, clearly defined dimension. And yet there was no space. It didn't take up any space. It, it, it took up space. It didn't take up space simultaneously. It squared the circle. An impossible miracle. A paradox. This was beyond mir- uh, miracles. Miracles that you found in the temple. Ten miracles, as a matter of fact. In the Holy of Holies, there was a contradiction. There was a paradox. It was, it was a miracle, not miracle. Time, no time. Space, no space. Time, no time. It's like all the rules of nature completely, not only the rules of nature bent, all the rules of nature existed, and at the same time it didn't exist. This is the ultimate mind-bending experience. It's like imagine putting the elephant through the, elef- through the needle hole. Now, it could be a miracle. The elephant could shrink to the size of a needle hole, a little less than a needle hole. The needle hole, by miracle, could grow large and an elephant could walk through it. No. The needle hole remains a needle hole. (laughs) And the elephant remains an elephant. And at the same time, the elephant walks through the needle hole. It's enough to make you mad. How is it possible? It's impossible. Yes. That's what God did. That's what happened in the Holy of Holies. It was the impossible. (laughs) You square the circle. How? It's impossible. So this was a level that completely transcended, not only completely transcended this world, it completely transcended the upper worlds. It completely transcended spiritual, it completely transcended material, it transcended space, and it transcended beyond space, and therefore brought them together. Harmoniously, space, no space, together, at the same time, simultaneously, it's this, it's that, it, it's both, it's neither, <laughs> it's... It's beyond... So this manifestation was a manifestation of God himself. His infinite self. God is so infinite. He's so undefined. He's not even limited to being infinite. He's not even limited to being... And therefore, he can, he's in, not infinite, not, not defined. He's completely undefined. He's not infinite. He's not finite. He can, therefore, he can combine both together. This is a manifestation of something so wondrous, something so beyond miraculous.
And we don't find this anywhere else. But this is the level of the Shekhinah that was manifest in the Holy of Holies, that was revealed in a revealed way in the Holy of Holies. It's interesting that the modern physicists going deep down to the reality of matter discovered the same principle. That on the, on the subatomic level, you have a reality appears as particles, as waves, at the simultaneously. And, and it's a complete paradox. It makes absolutely no sense. This has more to do with the idea of the Vashem taught. That Tzimtzum is not literal. That you can go back to the second part of Tanya, chapter 7. That the idea of Tzimtzum is not literal. That God's infinite self, His infinite light, permeates all of existence. Because everything on the atomic level, everything is really infinite, and everything <laughs> is a manifestation of all these paradoxes and, and all the rules and laws of nature and beyond nature all come together and it's it, it's but in this world in the physical world of nature in the world that we live in we had the holy of holies which revealed and like and like beamed in shined in this level of holiness this level of godliness this level of level of, of revelation that completely transcended the whole frame of reference not only of this world but also of the higher realms of the spiritual realms so the, the level of intensity the intensity of the revelation is so intense much more powerful than the revelation in heaven Just like a temple itself. King Solomon, when he built a temple, cried out in astonishment. How is it possible that God is more manifest in this house? Where does God feel at home? In this world, God is more revealed and manifest than he is in the heaven of heavens. Where did we see that ultimately? In the Holy of Holies. As Nachmanari says, what was the whole purpose of the temple? Why the first thing the Torah discusses when he says, build for me a temple? He says, I will dwell in it. And the first thing he discusses is the ark. And the tablets, because this is the whole idea of the temple. To draw down, to bring down God's presence. And to bring down this intense revelation of godliness that completely transcends, not only transcends the physical world, completely transcends the whole frame of reference of the whole universe, including the spiritual universe, including higher realms, including even the divine worlds. So in the physical, this is where you see the ultimate revelation of the Shekhinah. As it says in the Maimah, the first Hasidic discourse that the Rebbe said and he became Rebbe. This was the last Hasidic discourse that the previous Rebbe wrote before and distributed before he passed away, for the day that he passed away. That the Iker Shekhinah, where is the essence of the Shekhinah in this world? Don't think that this world is the lowest of all the worlds, as he said. First it goes through the level of Shekhinah, the world of emanation. And then you have the level of Shekhinah of the world of creation. Then you have the level of Shekhinah of the world of formation. Then you have the level of Shekhinah in the spiritual world of creation, of action. And then you have the level of Shekhinah in the physical temple, which was physical and material. So you would think that's the lowest. He says, no. Far more intensely. And al does doesn't stop by that. And he adds, with a greater, and he adds, a mightier revelation, and even the revelation in the shrine of holy of holies in the upper worlds. All of the worlds. Including the divine world of emanation. Because yes, they're all Shekhinah. And you can go all the way back to the highest level of Shekhinah. But where's the Iker Shekhinah? Where's the essence of the Shekhinah? Felt and manifest and revealed in this world, in the physical world. In the Holy of Holies. Why? Because we had the Ten Commandments, which, which contains the entire Torah. This refers to the world of Asiyah and Yetzirah. The Rebbe, in this comment, in note one, disagrees with this interpretation. He says this not only refers to the world of Asiyah and Yetzirah, 
it refers even to the higher worlds, to all of the worlds, even the, even the world of creation and even the world of emanation. And that's why the Alter Rebbe places such an emphasis, far more intensely with a greater and mightier revelation. He says, because the revelation in the Holy Temple was greater than all the worlds. And the reason for that is, as he's going to explain in a moment, because he had the Ten Commandments, which encompassed the whole Torah. Now, this revelation does pass through all the worlds in order for it to be manifest in the physical world. So even in this manifestation, in this descent into this world, so he says that in the first temple, the Shekhinah only went through the world, the Shekhinah of the world of emanation, after that to the Shekhinah of the world of creation, and then directly into the world, into the, into the Holy of Holies of this world. Skipping the level of Shekhinah of the world of formation and the level of Shekhinah of the spiritual world of action. So, yes, so that is true. In that manifestation, in the manifestation, because this light has to come through, pass through, the worlds in order to be manifest in this physical world. So this manifestation, it only passed through the upper worlds and not the lower worlds. And from the world of creation, it went directly into the, the tablets, into the, into, the, uh, into the Holy of Holies. But the light itself, the light itself, is really even transcends even the higher levels of Shrin. Because this is the essence of the Shrin. But it has to pass through like we discussed the other last week, when you write something with your fingers, right? It's not like your fingers suddenly become wise. You know, your fingers can now give a speech, can now explain. You can write all your life. An artist could learn how to write. And that, that becomes part of your finger. You know, your finger learns how to write, how to draw, calligraphy. You can do it in your sleep. But you can write wisdom and brilliance and... And your finger has no understanding. It just passes through your finger. The wisdom just flows through your finger. Your finger just transmits it from the brain into the paper. But not that the finger absorbs it. It's not like when the soul thinks and understands something through the mind, the brain. The brain understands it and comprehends it. It's not like passing through the finger. The brain actually understands it and absorbs and internalizes the idea. The brain becomes wise. But here, the finger doesn't become wise. Finger's a finger. So, too, it has to go through all the worlds in order to be manifest in the physical world. So, therefore, it had to go through the level of Shekhinah of the world of emanation and the level of Shekhinah of the world of creation, but it stops there. From there, it goes directly into the, into the action, into the physical tablet. Which is why the tablets, the original tablets that were given to Moshe, were very special. Are you saying that it did go through the other two worlds and wasn't affected by them or, or, right. or avoided them? Right. It, goes, it went through in order so that it should be able to manifest itself in the physical world, but it wasn't affected by it. It wasn't changed by it. The level of light was, so, was really a light that transcends, but it just passes through without being changed, without, without being, right, without being affected, without being changed. But because it was so powerful, therefore it, couldn't, it could not pass through the world of formation and action. It could pass through the world of emanation because it's a divine world. So therefore, the light can pass through without being affected. It could even pass through the world of creation, because although it's the beginning of creation, but as he said, we learned earlier, it's, it's the hidden world. It's like the fish in water. They're swallowed up in their source. They're almost inseparable from their source. It's like the light outside the sun where it's connected to the sun. So it's like it, there's no disconnection. So therefore the light can pass through without being affected. But once you get further into the world of formation, into the world of action, there, there the light would be diminished or the light would be affected. So therefore it skipped that and went directly into the tablets. Which is why the tablets that Moshe gave were miraculous. The first tablets that God gave to Moses, God gave him the stone, God wrote it. And the whole writing was miraculous. As it says in the beginning of the Tractate Megillah, which we're reading now and learning now before Purim, and we learned in our Talmud class, that the whole thing was miraculous. Firstly, it was 
carve through and through, etch through and through. So the Hebrew letters of the Samach and the Mem were floating in the air. They had nothing to hold on to. It was a miracle. Another miracle, no matter which way you looked at it, all, all any side, top, bottom, right, both left, sides. side, both sides, the sides, the top, any side you looked at it, you can read. Read it properly from right to left. So the whole thing was a miracle. Because the writing, it was a miraculous writing. Because it didn't go through the normal procedure of the world of formation, of the world of action. So it didn't get, you know, it didn't get packaged. So it retained some of its divine quality, miraculous quality. So the writing was miraculous. The whole existence was miraculous. It was, it was like nothing that exists in this physical world. Because it, yes, it, had, it did come down in a physical form. So therefore it had to go through some process, but it, without being changed. And therefore it could only go through the higher worlds, the upper realms. Only the world of, of emanation, the world of creation, and then it stopped. Then it went directly into the world, into the action, into carving, etching into the stones, the tablet. It couldn't go f- further and through the, couldn't be processed through the shechina of the world of formation or the shechina of the world, spiritual world of action. So that's what he says. The manifestation had to go through the process of the world of, of emanation and the world of creation. But the light itself, what's the source of the light? The Rebbe says, it's not only the source of the light is greater than the world of Asiya and Yetzirah. So the Rebbe says, note one, he says, no, the source of the light is Hashem Himself. It's infinite, it's beyond the whole, transcends. It's the essence of the Shekhinah. Beyond all these different levels of Shechim. Okay, that's why you had to go to pick it up. Moshe? That's why you had to pick it up. Oh, you had to go up. The mountain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Very good. You had to bring it down from heaven. <laughs> well, the whole thing is oracular. He didn't bring up stone the first time around. He didn't bring up stone. God gave him the stone and he wrote it. The second time around was different. Second time around, God says, bring me the stone. And then it says, God wrote. There's different opinions about the second time. It was still floating in the second time? Second time, no. Second time did not have those miracles. Um, But but in in the temple, in the ark, they kept both tablets. Second set of tablets, which were whole, and also the broken tablets. They were also inside. They were still there. And uh, there's d- different opinions about the second tablets. Um, you know, maybe initially it was natural, but once it was written, then maybe it was elevated to the level of, you know, God's handwriting. But the... Good hand. Yeah, but the miracle of the writing, or some say the stone Moshe brought, but the writing was God. You know, there's d- different opinions, um, the differences between the first and the second. But when it says that it's floated, um, I believe that's the first, the first uh, set of tablets, not the second the set sapphire? of tablets. Sapphire? Sapphire, that's the second time. Second time? Yes, yeah, Moshe became rich. <laughs> God told Moshe, you carve out the stone. Second time around, God told Moshe, you carve out and bring it. And Moshe found a quarry under his tent. And he became rich from the leftover of the sapphire. The first time around, Moshe didn't come up with the stone. Everything came from heaven. Everything was in heaven. So the stone was existed, created in heaven. The whole thing was miraculous. It, wasn't, it was a miraculous material. Maybe the material, didn't, you know, it wasn't the normal material. The material, the writing wasn't normal. The material wasn't normal. There was nothing. The whole thing was completely miraculous. You know, it's not that it was carved out from this world. The whole stone came from heaven, and the writing came from heaven. So the writing had to come through heaven. So they had to go through the different levels of the Shekhinah, but not through the normal channels. That's why it didn't happen in a natural way. It didn't happen through the world of formation. Right, Moshe got it in heaven. Very good. But the revelation, the revelation of godliness, that, that, where did it come from? Where did it originate? The Ten Commandments. The essence of the Torah, the whole Torah. This is, the, this is God's infinite revelation. This is the essence of the Shekhinah. 
And where is the essence of the Shekhinah given? Not in heaven, it was given in this world. So the revelation in the Holy of Holies was greater. Salat Rebbe says, far more intense, with greater and mighty revelation than the revelation. I think it's worthwhile to read the note. Let's read the note, page, uh, note one. The Rebbe notes that while the simple explanation of the phrase, the upper world, would tend to favor the explanation given above, that it refers to the worlds of Ashia and Yetzirah, a more analysis indicates that this is not so. Were this indeed the case, it would be extremely difficult to understand why the Alte Rebbe points out at length that the Ten Commandments are the all-embracing principles of the whole Torah and so on. Moreover, why the lengthy explanation, even before this, is that Shekinah resided in the Holy Temple far more intensely and with a greater and mightier rev- revelation than in the upper worlds. How is this so far more intensely, and so on, when the only difference is whether or not the Shekinah was God in Yitzhara? Right, the Alter Rebbe is like getting carried away far more intensely with a greater and mightier revelation. If all it is, okay, it skipped one step instead of going through the normal channels, normal procedure of working its way down from the level of Shekinah, from creation, down to the level of formation, and from there to the level of spiritual action, and from there into the world of action, he wouldn't get all these adjectives. And elsewhere, the Alter Rebbe almost writes clearly on the Hasidic discourse in his prayer book that the revelation of the Holy Temple, of the Shekhinah of the Holy Temple, was greater than the revelation of all of the higher worlds. Okay, so the next paragraph. The Rebbe Shalita therefore understands that the Alter Rebbe speaks of two distinct qualities found in the Holy Temple. The first is that the revelation in the Holy Temple was greater than in all worlds, because therein was found the Ten Commandments, which are the all-embracing principles of the whole Torah. Because of this, the revelation of the Shekinah was the illumination of Shachman of Atzulut, as after it had been clothed in Mahu of Atzulut and Mahu of Beria. A second quality found in the illumination of the Shekinah is in the Holy Temple with the manner of its descent. It clothes itself not, not only in the Mahu of and Mahu of for in order to engrave them on material tablets, Shekinah did not descend. Thus, the manner in which the Shekinah was drawn down surpasses only the world of Yitzhara, but as to the actual illumination that shone there, this was a light which was higher than in the, all the upper world. The special quality possessed a, in the temple there was revealed the essence of the light of Ensof, since the tablets were there, as mentioned earlier. B, in the temple there was a comprehension of essence and not only knowledge of manifestation. C, the temple was illuminated by a revelation that transcended both transcendent and imminent manifestation of godliness. This was due to the supernal delight, Onek Ha'ilion, that was found there. This was why the place of the ark did not take up space at one and the same time. It both took up space and yet did not take up space. Space derives from the imminence of godliness. That which transcends space derives from the transcendence of godliness. That which transcends both these levels finds expression in their being space. And yet, at the same time, this very real space occupies no space whatsoever. Okay, so this is very, very inspiring. <laughs> very inspiring stuff. <laughs> because basically, our each and every one of us is like a candle and we're a walking temple and like a walking holy of holies to bring this level of holiness into this world and we're the only ones who can do it and if we don't do it it's not going to get done and the only way to do it is through Torah and Mitzvah that's how that's how, he, that's how he's going to conclude he's really going to conclude in a very high note grand finale uh, to the whole Tanya. It's very powerful.
Very, very, very powerful. I have to see if I got one thing right. With the destruction of the Holy of Holies, the Shekhinah now resides in Torah scholars? Yeah. It says, even though the Shekhinah has never left the temple, but the whole idea of Shekhinah is where is it manifest? It's manifest in the studying of Torah, in the four cubits of Halacha. When you study Torah, and specifically when you study Halacha, that's where the Shekhinah becomes manifest. Where did he get all this knowledge from to create a book of so much? He writes in the introduction, his teachers, and all the books that preceded him. Let's not forget it was the Balsanto and the Magi. Right. <laughs> Those were two teachers. Teachers and all the books that preceded him, powerful books. Alter Rebbe, every word is a reference to, you know, steeped in, in 30, 300 years of Torah, of, Scholarship, the depth, you know. Baal Shem Tov was not alive when he completed these books. No, no. Where's the Magi? They were, the Alter Rebbe, no, no, also not. The Alter Rebbe was 15 years old when, he went when the Baal Shem Tov passed away. Just like Jacob was 15 years old when Abraham passed away. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob lived in the world together for 15 years. So the Baal Shem Tov, the Magids, and the Alter Rebbe, who was like the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob of the Hasidic movement, also lived together. They were in this world together for 15 years. There's not much written about them, Rabbi. Yeah, we don't even know when he was born. We don't even know if he's older than the Alder Baal Shem Tov or not. We know when he passed away, but we, know, we don't know when he was born. Um, but we do know, he was, before he became a Hasid, he was known, renowned as being brilliant. There wasn't a single published Jewish book that he hasn't learned, studied 102 times. He was a known, renowned genius. He knew every scholarly work that was ever written and knew it thoroughly. He was respected for it. And then he became the Bashamta's Hasid. And he became the leader of the movement. He must have been a bigger influence on the altar rather than well, he, of years. He, well, he was, he, never, he only saw the Bashamta once. Bashamtis is now Alter Rebbe's father was a chassid. Bashamtis chassid, a hidden chassid. Bashamtis gave him clear instructions that he should not bring his son to him. He shouldn't even tell him that he's a chassid. Okay. He has to find chassidus on his own. The only time he saw him, he gave him permission after much begging and pleading, he gave him permission to bring Alter Rebbe for his upsharanish, to cut his hair. Yeah. So they came, they said, no one should know, come in and leave right away. And, and, they, and the child asked, who, where am I, where am I going? He said, we're going to Zaydi. And the rest of his life, he always referred to the Vashem as a Zaydi. My spiritual grandfather. And he kept saying, Who's, who is this? And the Vashem cut it here, and that was the only, the only time they met. And, uh, and then the Alter Rebbe came, when he reached at the age of 18 years old, so he, he had a decision to make. He felt, um, he was 18 or a little younger. He had a decision to make. He said, I know how to learn. He said, there are two centers of Jewish life. One is Vilna, the Vilna Goyen, genius, scholarship, brilliance. And the other place is Mizrich, which teaches you how to pray. The Rebbe was a very passionate, powerful, you know. So he says, to learn, I know, how, I know a little how to learn. <laughs> he says, but to daven, to pray, I don't really... You ended up writing a book about prayer. Yeah, sure. The whole Hasidus is a prayer. So he decided to go to Mizritch. He was there for like a week. He was very impressed with what he saw. But he decided to leave. It's not for him. Why? Because while he saw holiness, fervor, intensity, soulfulness, spirituality, love, he didn't see any scholarship. He didn't see any learning. He didn't see any in-depth, you know, real learning that engaged the mind. And 
he says, it's not for me. You know, I'm a scholar. I, it's very nice. But, uh, you know, where's the mind? Where's the brain? So he took his bags and he left. When he left, he realized he forgot one of his bags he left. So he came back. As he came back, a woman came to Rabbi Dov Magid. Because in those days, if you finally had enough money to buy a chicken, and you slaughtered the chicken, and if the rabbi said, the shrochet said, the chicken is not kosher, you were ruined, because that's the only food you had, you know. You were waiting for this chicken. It's like a tragedy. So they would come to the rabbi, and any rabbi worth his salt would really try his best to make it, it is kosher. And it was a very difficult question. And he saw how the Magid is discussing this question with, all, with his Hasidim. And he says the depth of scholarship that was flying between them. He saw that they know the Talmud inside and out, backwards and forwards, in depth, you know, with, with you know, logical understanding it, genuinely understanding it. He was blown away by the scholarship. He says, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. He means here you can be, have a scholarship and also have a heart <laughs> and also learn how to pray. He says, this is for me. I don't have to go anywhere else. He decided to stay. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.